Note to self, don't launch a podcast and then go AWOL for a few months. In my defence, I've been a bit unwell and had to have an emergency operation in Inverness during my summer holidays and then another one back here in London. But the conversations I've had about resilience with my guests on this very podcast have helped me through another tricky time. If you don't already know by now, this is the Brilliant Resilient Club, the podcast all about people who push past their physical comfort zone to gain mental resilience. I'm your host, Bhavani Vadi, and I came up with this idea after being grounded from my day job as a TV reporter during the pandemic because of an autoimmune condition. I took up cold water swimming and for the first time in my life I got such a buzz from exercise that it helped me thrive during some difficult times. This made me want to explore why and how other people take to the physical to cope. I think with your resilience and your mental improvement, sometimes you don't see that until you look back. When I was diagnosed with bilateral breast cancer, you know, each time I went to hospital, the work the news got worse. And my surgeon was fantastic because, you know, her advice to me was you take this one day at a time. You don't look ahead. Looking ahead and catastrophizing, as we all have a tendency to do, perhaps, really doesn't help your resilience. You may recognise my guest today from the TV. Louise Stewart is a former BBC political correspondent who's now moved into communications. She's shown a fair bit of resilience in recent years, having faced both career and health crises. At the start of the pandemic, like many people, Louise suddenly lost her job. Now that's challenge enough, but this came after she was diagnosed with bilateral breast cancer and had to have a rare double breast operation. Happily, she's now celebrating five years of being cancer-free and is taking part in Cancer Research's latest campaign this month, What better time to talk to her about what's helped her through her tough times? Louise, welcome to the Brilliant Resilient Club. Before we chat about your story, I'd just like to ask, from your experience, how would you define resilience? Oh, Bhavani, thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Um, It's a difficult one, isn't it? But I think resilience is that ability to keep on going, um, even when things are kind of coming at you, if you like. But it's the ability to keep your head up, to sort of um, when things are not going your way, you maybe don't get a job you want, maybe, you know, you've had bad news or whatever, the ability to and sort of to dig yourself out of that hole and and, uh, come back from it. And maybe not think too far ahead. Yes. I mean, that was one thing I learned um, when I was diagnosed with bilateral breast cancer. And one of the first things my, you know, each time I went to hospital, the work, the news got worse. You know, I went thinking, oh, I've got a small tumour, it's early stage breast cancer, that's fine. And then you go for an MRI and you discover that not only have you got one tumour, you've got a totally different cancer in the other breast and you've got a couple of tumours there. And, and the news seemed to get worse each time I went. And my um, surgeon was fantastic because, you know, her advice to me was, you take this one day at a time, you don't look ahead. Mm. Looking ahead and catastrophizing, as we all have a tendency to do, perhaps, really doesn't help your resilience. But the ability to think, okay, I've got a hospital appointment today. Uh, there's no point worrying about it until it's happened. And, and I hear people I speak to now and they're, you know, oh, what happens if, you know, my house doesn't complete on time? What happens if, um, you know, this happens? What happens if I don't get that job? And I think you're worrying about something before it's happened. 
which as my surgeon said to me, is a waste of energy. Worry about it when it happens. But if you're worrying about it before it happens and it doesn't happen, then you've just wasted that energy. So it's a good rule to live by. I'm not sure I always stick to it, but I really try. Yeah, I don't think I stick to that either, but I totally understand what you're saying. Your mind tends to race ahead to all the possibilities that it does. can unfold. That can lead to, yeah, it can lead to sort of loss of sleep and things like that, which really don't help your resilience. I know that when I'm going through a patch of not sleeping, which I certainly did when I was first diagnosed, etc., you know, your sleep sort of really falls off a cliff and that really leaves you sort of in a state where you're not as resilient as you as you could be. Hmm. Now, I just want to roll back a little bit. I mean, we met through working in TV news, but tell us a bit more about your background. You know, I've had a really interesting career. I had 20 years in um, TV news, most of it at the BBC, um, where we met, as you say. Um, I was a BBC graduate trainee, which is fantastic. It's very much seen as the golden ticket. And um, Going in then and and sort of being quite naive, I think, to the broadcasting industry, etc., you kind of think that, you know, that's opening lots of doors. And and then when doors start slamming in your face later on, um, that's quite tricky. I think, I mean, I don't regret my career for a minute and it's led to where I am now, um, but you know, no one should be under any illusions. Broadcasting is a tough gig. Um, it's not only the hours, which I used to be up at three in the morning to be the early political correspondent, to be on Five Live or the Today programme or BBC Breakfast. Um, or I'd finish at midnight, having been there doing, you know, the overnights and looking ahead to the morning. Um, and also, you know, it's highly competitive. It's not a, a job where you could ever have an off day, ever. You know, the, you could not be feeling great and then a story breaks and you get sent halfway across the country to cover it. So you have to be really resilient in that environment. And also um, you have to have a really strong sense of yourself and and not have a thin skin. And I think, um, you know, at times the knocks were quite hard and then you kind of reach this point where you think, well, it doesn't really matter what I do. I'm, I'm sort of stuck. I felt stuck. I wasn't you know, moving to the next level, et cetera. Um, And I was then approached by um, a leading business group, Federation of Small Businesses, to be their head of media. And it was a difficult decision to leave something that I loved and I'd wanted to be a journalist since I was tiny, you know, um, uh, watching Kate Aidy, you know, covering Gulf War, thinking I want to be that person. I never did become a, a war correspondent, I have to say. Um, but Me too. I had those dreams too. Exactly. Neither did I. But I think she did inspire a lot I think of she girls. Inspired a generation, really, didn't she? Um, mm. But you know, I I don't regret the move I made, and the move I made into comms, and then became director of communications. Um, it has has been a good move for me, and I think what it really shows is um, if you are resilient, you can make those moves, and perhaps not be defined by your employer, define yourself and what you want to do. So, you know, I started essentially a second career, you know, moving from 
uh, an on-screen role to a um, communications role um, in my early 40s. And that's something I'm, I'm really proud of. And, and that's the other thing about resilient people, I think. They find a roadblock and they find a way around it. You know, they don't just accept this is a block to my career, so I'm going to sit here. You, you find a way around it. Mm, you mentioned that roadblock and you found a way around it. But then you faced another one at the start of the pandemic because you suddenly lost your job. I did um, at the Federation of Small Businesses and um, it, it happened very suddenly. And the previous week, I'd been named one of the most influential people in PR in the UK by PR Week in the power book that they print every year. Um, so you kind of think you're riding on a high and then suddenly lockdown came along. Um, I received a call to say, you know, they were looking at my position. And um, again, that was a big shock. And I think um, I felt less resilient then because it was a time of such um, confusion, really. We hadn't, I mean, we're, we're talking now, we're sort of 16 months on and people understand lockdown and what it means, etc. We didn't know what it was going to mean. And, and so you're trying to find a job in that climate. And I um, was applying for anything that came along and things that were, you know, probably several steps below where I was paying considerably less than where I was, but that I thought I can't sit at home, not working, I have to do something, etc. And I wasn't even getting responses. Um, people just weren't replying. And I think there were, it was unfortunate because it was in that period when people hadn't been used to working from home overnight, they had to start and things did sort of shut down a bit. Um, but again, I think I found a way around that roadblock and that came from an inner resilience. I was sitting at home one Tuesday evening, I remember, and, and I thought something has to change because I'm not getting responses. No one's calling me back. Um, how is this possible? And, um, I posted the picture that of me being named one of the most influential at the PR Week Awards and uh, on LinkedIn and said, you know, I received this award a couple of weeks ago and um, I've since lost my job. If anyone needs any comp support, I'm available. And that post had um, something like 25,000 responses, uh, likes, um, and then uh, lots of responses from people um, who reached out to me, a career coach who um, was absolutely fantastic and said he would coach me for free, which he did. Um, wow. People who were running agencies who said, you know, we've got some short-term work if you're interested. Um, and then um, I have to give a shout out really to Joey Jones, who was former deputy political editor at Sky. And I knew him when I was a political correspondent at the BBC. And he reached out to me and said, why don't you try uh, Cicero AMO where he was, um, which is a big public affairs and comms agency. And I, I spoke to their CEO and he said, there's nothing at the moment, um, but, you know, good to get your CV kind of thing. And within a fortnight, Joey had announced his resignation I um, got the call and I've been there since and I'm really enjoying it. And it's a new kind of, it's quite exciting, but it just shows that. And, and what I would say to anyone who's found themselves in, in that position, and I've said this to a few people since, you know, use your network, reach out mm. um, and you will be surprised how willing people are to, to help. 
I mean, that sounds fantastic. You really have overcome a fair few roadblocks. But prior to these career issues, shall we say, you had to be really resilient in terms of the diagnosis of your breast cancer. Yeah, um, I had to really dig deep then. Um, As I said briefly earlier, you know, each time I saw my consultant, the news seemed to get worse. And you're at that stage where you think, you know, how am I going to get through this? I think... um, taking it one day at a time was really important. I think um, exercise that we've talked about before, um, for me, I'm a big walker. When I lived in Scotland, I'm from Scotland, I would be bagging Monroe Mountains, etc. And, you know, as soon as um, I had my cancer surgery, um, and I couldn't do many other things, I couldn't, you know, lift anything or or things like that it was important to me to get out walking as soon as I could because I just wanted Mm. to be able to still do that and um Mm. recently I in March this year I did um the walk all over cancer challenge for Cancer Research UK and it was really great I mean it doesn't sound like a huge challenge 10,000 steps a day every day for, for a month but actually in the current climate when we're all working at home and you're stuck at your desk, et cetera. And you've got to really make an effort. And even days when March, I don't know if you remember, was pretty miserable and it was pouring rain and gale force winds. And I was out there every day and it just reminded me of how lucky I felt to be able to be out there every day. And and of looking back to the time when I just post-treatment, when I just didn't have the strength or energy to do that, that much walking. And also, um, post-cancer um I really relied on yoga and my yoga teacher um Julia at the the yoga house here in Tunbridge Wells she's fantastic because I I I was really nervous because I'd had cancer both sides at the same time so I'd had surgery both sides so I was really sort of would I be able to do the things I'd done before and downward dog and things like that that need upper body strength um and we just went really slowly and she devised the program sort of around me and it it was just such a good feeling to be able to to get back and to sort of feel that I was building my strength back again. So what is it about doing something physical? Like you said, walking and yoga is not a three peaks challenge or something headline grabbing, but it's still something physical. How did that help you through your cancer treatment and your career challenges? I think it's um, when you're doing something like that, particularly something that needs um some concentration like yoga or Pilates, which I do as well, um, then you can't think of anything else. You know, that that's the thing. Um, and I know for you, you've been doing your um, outdoor swimming, etc. I went, um, you know, swimming in the sea recently when I went away walking in Wales for a weekend. Fabulous. I hadn't done it for so long I mean I used to live by the sea we do it all the time and it was so invigorating and I think that's part of it and people talk about endorphins and sport etc but Varney I've never been the sportiest person in the you know the class or, or whatever but the endorphins after that just made me think wow this is what people feel and so I think there's that I think um the walking every day when I was going through my treatment was to me, I can still walk to the hospital. I can still walk to the station. As long as I can do all of that, I, I'm sort of in control. 
if you like of it. So there was a bit of that. Obviously, there were times when, you know, I, I had to succumb and thought, no, I have to get a taxi. I just can't walk today. <laughs> it's just too much. But um, I think it was important for me to feel a sense of normality. Um, and where I live, there's a beautiful common just across the road. So I always felt if I can just walk to the common and just, you know, do a circuit, I'm, as you say, I'm not running a marathon. I'm not trying to prove anything to anyone else, but I'm, I'm getting out there. I'm getting fresh air and I'm sort of getting some of the endorphins, I think. And I think resilience is, is mental, but also physical. So if you, if you can achieve that sort of balance where, um, and I think, they support each other, if you like. If, if you're able to get out and be active, that is really helpful to your mental resilience. I remember when I sort of felt able to easily walk to the station again and back up the hill, it's quite a hill from the station, feeling that that was a sense of achievement and, that, and sort of measuring my progress through that. And I think that's another thing with physical activity. I could see myself with my yoga getting stronger. I could see myself with my walking, being able to work walk further and not be out of breath and not feel like it was a challenge. And, and these things um, show your um, physical sort of improvement. I think with your um, resilience and your mental improvement, sometimes you don't see that until you look back mm. because you can look back on things now. Um, for instance, me losing my job and thinking, wow, well, actually, I'm in a job I really like and I'm actually much happier because I don't have to commute and um, I'm working from home and I'm working with great clients. So seeing it as a positive, but I couldn't see that at the time, obviously. And just thinking, I handled it. I got through it. Yeah, exactly so. So I think sometimes it's really good. I I'm not one of these people, I don't keep a gratitude journal or things like that, but I think sometimes just to check in and think, well, this time last year, I, you know, I lost my job and now here I am and I'm working with a good team and I'm working with great clients and that's positive. So sometimes you have to um, take a moment, if you like, to look back and and see where you've come. And I feel like, as I say, I've got no regrets about my decision to leave the BBC and I had a great time there. But I look back and think, wow, if I had stayed, I'd probably be doing the same job I was doing and look where I am now. And I feel that I've kind of found my niche, if you like, which is a nice place to be. It is. And positive news on the health front as well. Well, I hope so. Um, yeah, I have my, I booked it yesterday, actually. I have my five-year scan in um, September, and that feels like a real milestone. And that's why I wanted to do the Walk All Over Cancer this year and raise some money for CRUK, because, um, you know, five years in remission is seen as a big milestone. And the chances of it returning are, are vastly reduced. So um, I'm really keeping everything crossed for that. But um, yeah, there's always a bit of anxiety ahead of it. I mean, I, I tell you, yeah. um, I have to dig deep into my resilience at that time and just take yeah. the mantra of day at a time, don't overthink it, don't think ahead about, because, um, you know, it does, going back into the hospital and back to that scanning machine, etc., does take you right back to a, yeah. a not very comfortable place. And that's when you have to kind of dig deep. My final question is, if someone is, you know, really struggling and perhaps they're in a dark place, you know, many people have suffered some kind of loss recently, whether that's, you know, a loss of freedom, job loss or, 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 or a loss of physical or mental health. What would your advice be to them? I think, um, you know, as you say, it's been a tough sort of 
year or more for most people. And there have been times through that. I mean, I was in lockdown, number one, on my own shielding because of my um, immunity, etc. And that was a really tough time. And I think I had to sort of um, fall back on the things I've talked about the physical exercise, getting out every single day, even if it's pouring rain, because sitting at home on your own day after day is, you know, a surefire way to to let yourself sink into a a darker place. So um, finding something that takes you out of yourself, whether that's walking, whether it's yoga, whether it's swimming, um, jogging, whatever it is, um, sort of being positive I gave myself milestones so you know I will do two job applications today I will um, tomorrow I'll speak to that contact Um, so being quite disciplined about it ticking them off so I felt that I was achieving something Um, and reaching out and and it's not always easy and I know some people always fear they'll get a, a negative um, response when they they do that but I have to say it was really heartwarming when I reached out I had people contact me from throughout my career from 20 years ago in BBC Scotland you know from as I say Sky News people you know agencies reaching out to me saying you know we'd love to have a chat with you can we can you know we catch up etc pointing me to things people were sending me lots of job you know applications saying we saw this and thought of you and and things like that and there was just a real sense of goodwill now I don't know if that's because it was the start of the pandemic and people knew that it was a difficult time but I think try and harness some of the support from other people and that really can help. Fantastic so what's next for you? Gosh, um, well, imminently is the uh, five-year scan. And I think once I've had that, if it's good news, that will feel like a real weight off me. I mean, it's not something that hangs over me all the time, but it's there in the background. Um, And then, you know, continue with the job that I'm enjoying, Um, continue as an ambassador for Cancer Research UK, which is something else I would say has given me such support and really was part of my recovery. And I would say that to people as well, when you're saying, what can people do? Find something where your tribe are, something that interests you, something that, you know, by by being with other people who've been through what I've been through, the, the support was was amazing. So um, find, your, find your tribe, if you like. That's a great note to end on. It's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you, Louise. Thank you so much uh, for sharing your story and your insights with me. Thank you, Bhavani. Happily, Louise is now celebrating five years in remission. And as an ambassador for Cancer Research UK, she's supporting its latest campaign called Cancer Won't Wait, calling on the government to invest more in cancer treatments. This month, October, is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. So she's also urging women to check themselves as early detection, as in Louise's case, can be vital. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Brilliant Resilient Club podcast. I'm hopefully on the road to a full recovery, so you won't have to wait as long for the next show because it will be out next Friday. So please do subscribe and you won't miss a single episode. I'd also be so grateful if you could rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. It makes all the difference in helping others discover it. Bye for now.